7.32, more than 1,000 people have reportedly suffered severe lung damage after starting vaping. The company Juul has voluntarily stopped American online sales of fruit-flavoured e-cigarettes to earn trust again, though the uh, Trump administration's announced a ban on all flavoured vapes in the US anyway. Um, what Juul is saying is that they, they, they want uh, the Food and Drug Administration to assess their safety. Is this whole reaction justified? What's gone wrong with a product that was supposed to be a relatively safe alternative to smoking? Dr. Robert Jackler, professor at Stanford University School of Medicine, joins us on the line. Good morning to you from Seoul. Good morning, Alex. Let's just uh, clarify some of this to start off with. Uh, When the FDA assesses e-cigarettes, it's not like uh, they're trying to measure a product that's for the whole family. They're basically having to weigh it up, aren't they, against the relative non-safety of traditional cigarettes, aren't they? Uh, no question. I mean, you must realize that so far in America, unlike regular combustible cigarettes, cigars, pipe tobacco, and the rest, e-cigarettes are unregulated effectively. There's almost no limitations, and going into that gulf with no regulations Many e-cigarette companies have uh, behaved in ways that we would not expect or would not allow for tobacco company. But your point, Alex, is a good one. What you really want is a policy that enables safer products to be made available to adult smokers to transition to something less harmful to their health, but at the same time being very sure that it doesn't become uh, an on-ramp for nicotine-naive teenagers to get hooked on nicotine. And unfortunately, in America, Juul in particular, has led to an epidemic of teen nicotine addiction and only very limited benefit to adult smokers. I'm sure there are some adult smokers who have transitioned to e-cigarettes listening now who do enjoy fruity-flavoured vaping. I, I, I don't want to say definitively that they don't, but... But then again, your traditional cigar smoker, I can't imagine them being very um, charmed by the idea of smoking a mango-flavoured pod. Um, So is this basically aimed at younger people to get them into smoking in the first place? Do you you suspect the fruit-flavoured ones? Well, sure. We all know that young people have a sweet tooth. And while there are certainly some adults who might enjoy a a honey-flavored or chocolate-flavored smoking apparatus, it is much more appealing to the young. And because Juul and many of these similar devices are extremely high in nicotine, they're actually more efficient at delivering nicotine than a regular cigarette is. And they're very addictive. And, of course, the kids are very uninterested in tobacco flavor, right? Whereas adult smoker is very accommodated to the taste of unsweetened tobacco flavor. So many of us favor that vaping products, electronic cigarettes, be made available only in unsweetened tobacco flavor that'll be very acceptable to adult smokers, but have very little interest to teenagers. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of the health impact, though, let's just get into this straight away. Uh, the, the argument is that th- this is not involving combustion, so th- there's no way that it could have the same impact on the lungs as a as a burning cigarette, cigar, pipe, whatever. Uh, can you just address how on earth there would be l- this kind of lung damage that could even cause deaths? You know, it's interesting. 
if you start smoking at the age of 15, it's not until you're 50 or 60 that you get lung cancer or severe emphysema. It takes many decades for smoking to cause cumulative damage to the lungs. To be frank with you, we really don't know whether a mixture of propylene glycol and glycerin breathed in over and over into the lungs, along with nicotine and flavoring chemicals that we know to be safe when you take in food in your gastrointestinal tract. But, you know, the lung is a very different toxicity spectrum. We do know from experiments that vaping actually causes inflammation in the airway and in the lungs of animals. And we know that chronic inflammation is what underlies the damage from smoking. Well, it is true there are many of the chemicals in tobacco smoke burning which are not in vapor. There are other chemicals entirely different from smoking that have never been assessed, let alone over the long term. And of course, as you're probably aware, we've had a sudden upsurge in acute and serious illnesses, um, especially in young people, not something that happens 30 or 40 years, but something that could kill you next week. So what kind of damage are we talking about? Like it, generally uh, it, it's uh it is it, it acts like an infection, does it? Well, not exactly. Actually, it's more like a toxic exposure. So initially, many of the cases in America of severe lung injury leading to hospitalization and even death, um, they have happened with extracts of marijuana, THC and CBD, in an oil base. So initially, many of us, including me, thought it was because the oil injured the lungs. And we know um, uh, lipids, fatty substances, the lungs doesn't like them very much and it will cause a problem. Now, recently, the Mayo Clinic came out with lung biopsies from a series of young people, some of whom vaped nicotine-containing vapor, others of whom it was marijuana extract, and they found a toxic effect that they likened to World War I um, mustard gas, that it looked like it was a chemical injury to the lung. So, you know, there are thousands now of these injuries uh, in America, and our Center for Disease Control is investigating it. If it was straightforward and clearly one product and one chemical, we would have known it by now. But it looks like there are a series of different chemical issues in these that can cause severe lung injury, and we're trying to drill down on that. It seems to be less common in, you know, uh, public, you know, major company produced products, as opposed to those products that might be mixed in the back of the vapor shop or made by, you know, kind of gypsy manufacturers uh, without the proper controls over purity. And there may be some chemicals getting adulterated in the vapors. But it is not clear even that major manufacturers of vaping products using good laboratory practices, some of those devices may still be causing acute injury, not just the worry over 30 or 40 years from now, but a worry over something that could happen next week or next month. Something I, I witness on social media is that a lot of these younger people, for whom this is the most relevant topic, are very suspicious of these warnings that we're getting. Uh, they're very suspicious, for example, that big tobacco or the government are in each other's pockets. They might even listen to an interview like this and, and say that a doctor like yourself is somehow being manipulated by these large tobacco companies in the government to, to, to try and protect that industry and to squash this uh, so-called healthy alternative. Can, can you just address those concerns just in case anyone is thinking that? Sure. 
Well, that would be really very novel uh, to think that the tobacco industry liked what I was doing. It's unlikely because I study them and, and they're actually very uncomfortable with the fruits of the research that we come with. There is no question in my mind, though, that if other products other than standard combustible cigarettes go away, that's not a good thing. And I'm not, not a prohibitionist. I'm in favor of developing reduced-risk products that may help transition adult smokers. However, as a public health advocate, I must first worry about the young people, right? You know, if you think about it, if you, because only teenagers start smoking, I mean, if you look at it, 98% of people start smoking in their teens. Very few 40-year-olds say, hey, I think I'll start smoking today. That means that if you want to reduce smoking in the adult population, the way to do it is to keep teenagers from getting hooked on nicotine to begin with, because it's all about nicotine addiction. And Juul and many of these new potty cigarettes are exceptionally high nicotine and very catchy for young kids, right? So while it is true that if vapor products are taken off the market, even these kids that have gotten nicotine addicted, where are they going to go to satisfy their nicotine addiction? Our worst nightmare is if they migrate to regular cigarettes, which we know to be deadly products. So right now, it's a rapidly emerging situation. And my hope is that over time, we can make these products with high nicotine available to adult smokers in ways that they don't leak out to teenagers. So they can be tobacco-flavored and high nicotine varieties can't be sold in your corner grocery store because kids will get their hands on them and become addicted. Perhaps by doctor's prescription is one way to do that for adult smokers to help them to transition. Right. The, the other thing here is the, um, the age factor. What percentage of the concern is, is the fact that these might be young lungs that are more vulnerable to, to this kind of toxic response? versus the, the fact that younger people might be more drawn to the uh, less regulated products, the uh, backyard or garage-produced liquid vaping products. Uh, because, I mean, the numbers are not huge. Even if we're talking thousands, it, it, it pales in significance to the millions of vaping devices that are out there. Right. I mean, about half a million people die of regular smoking in America every year. So the fact that we've had a couple of hundred deaths from vaping, you might say, that's a pretty small potatoes compared with smoking. On the other hand, if you tell a teenager, you know, if you start smoking, you might get sick and die in 30 or 40 years. Young people just don't care. But if you tell them, look, if you use this product, you might die next week, it gets their attention. So what I'm seeing on social media is a lot of kids throwing away their jewels and throwing away their e-cigarettes because they're afraid with what will happen to them now. Yeah, there is that too. But, uh, I mean, just to further the point, just briefly, is there something about young people physically that's making them more vulnerable? Or do you think it's more about the, the this uh, combination of chemicals coming together in a, in a less regulated way? Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. So you must know that there have been some older people and middle-aged people who've also had this vaping-related serious lung problems and even uh, deaths. It, but think about it this way. When something becomes a teen fad, right, you want to do it the most to be cool. So if you pick up, if you're not a smoking kid and you haven't spent 
months or years getting used to smoking. And you go to a party and you have a cigarette. You cough and you wheeze. If you had two or three cigarettes, you may lose your dinner, right, and, and toss it up. Vaping, on the other hand, is much softer and much easier. And so you can draw deeply in the lungs over and over and get a huge dose of nicotine and a huge exposure, much more than you can as an inexperienced smoker. And yeah. so think about it this way. When I was a kid, teens, teen boys had long hair, so I wanted the longest hair. We wore bell-bottoms. I wanted the widest bell-bottoms. You see these kids at parties, they want to smoke a pod after another pod after another pod to prove that they belong to what everybody's doing. And so one pod of, of Juul has the same nicotine. Uh, it delivers the same nicotine to the user's bloodstream as a full pack of 20 Marlboro cigarettes. And so let's say in an afternoon or at an evening party, they do three pods over and over and over again. They can actually seize from nicotine nicotine toxicity. Yeah. So I think that my point being the dose response, that is that young people are probably using it a lot heavier as a means of social acceptance and being part of the crowd, if you will, whereas adult smokers are just trying to replace their nicotine exposure. Kids are overdoing it. Yeah, that, doing that, it those all, all seem like... Yeah important considerations we are almost out of time but i wanted to ask as well on that same note we can all i'm sure imagine what it's like these huge clouds of vape or whatever you want to call it vapor um coming out of the devices in a party environment filling a room secondhand exposure do we see that as being problematic yet or can you speculate on that yeah i mean compared with regular smoking the, at least just looking at the chemical analysis, with most of the small devices, the little pod e-cigarettes, put out a relatively subtle plume. The big boxes, the so-called mods or advanced personal vaporizers, they put out like a dragon's breath and an enormous amount of vapor that contains nicotine. So I think that those you know, high-powered devices in which you pour liquid in, and those potentially in an enclosed space could have secondhand effects. There's no question. But I think it's, uh, at least with what we know today, it is less prominent and less concerning than it is for regular cigarettes. Now, I will say this. If you let people vape in restaurants and bars and workplaces, it will make it harder for them to quit smoking. Because what they do is they dual use. They smoke regular cigarettes when they can, and they go over to vaping devices when they're in an airport or a restaurant. And we know that keeps their nicotine level very high. It actually makes it more difficult to quit. Thank you so much, Dr. Jackler of Stanford University. It's been great having you with us on the line. My pleasure. Thank you, Alex.